tell me what are the sort of memories that conjure up whenever you see that photo he's a good looking lad what's happened <laughs> <laughs> we've all got that mate especially in lockdown trust <laughs> hello i'm josh shreve and welcome to what's in the bag each episode i'll be asking my guests just that question as we sit down and go through five important items they brought along in their bag And I have absolutely no idea what these items are going to be, but all I know is that they're related to music in some way. This time, it's the turn of photographer Lewis Evans. You'd usually find him in the back of a bus touring the world with bands such as Blossoms and Inhaler, but life has been on hold since Covid struck. Luckily for me, though, it's not Japan or Mexico he's in today, but his home in Sheffield. In this episode, we talk about his career journey and how photographers are coping during Covid, what it's really like to work with Bono's rock star son, and why his tour diet is purely waffles. So, you should be used to it by now. Let's ask Lewis what's in the bag. First of all, we're obviously, I'm not going to dwell on it too much because it is the hot topic that no one wants to talk about, but we inevitably do, is we're obviously in this situation where we we kind of can't meet up face to face, so hence why this is being done over computer with with the COVID stuff. So you were on tour with Blossoms when this all kicked off, weren't you? It was was honestly so bizarre. I think for, for me, my first sort of like, awareness of it all properly was um we went out to japan with inhaler back in start of february and it was kind of starting to creep into japan a bit um everywhere you looked on the streets everyone had face masks on um i think there was a boat nearby that had been like quarantined and i remember thinking oh this is mad i was like imagine if this came over to the uk i was like oh at least it's not going to happen famous last word and then, uh, yeah, a month later, we were pretty much bang on halfway through a UK tour with Blossoms. And um, there was a few mutterings, but we were like, let's just try and wait for a bit more like official guidance and stuff. And nothing was really coming. And to be honest, it was it was ruining the mood of the shows a bit, to be honest, because every night everyone was like, oh, are they going to get pulled tomorrow? Are we going to be able to do this one? Are people going to turn up? And then in the end, I think the people above and the band just kind of made an executive decision it was like it's better just to post, postpone the shows and then do it maybe six months however long yet year later and just actually hope that there'll be good good fun rather than everyone being on edge i guess where was the last show then where were, where were they touring um it was in bournemouth i think on the greyest of days of the whole tour which was pretty uh sounds suitable considering that was the last one and, know, and yeah. god knows when we're going to go back to normal you know this series of podcasts will go out probably as things are starting to get back to normal but for you and the live gig industry i don't know when that's going to be um how has it been for you as a freelancer because you're usually bouncing as i say between blossoms and inhaler and then I'm assuming doing other gigs in between when you can or other projects. I've been quite lucky in respect because I've been with two bands that have been really busy. Um, and especially in Hayler, it's kind of been their sort of breakout year. So from sort of September through to March, I, I reckon I had about two weeks at home altogether. Um, and it, it was a pretty mad period of time. And then, um, yeah, all of a sudden it's just stopped 
but yeah, I think the reality of it is at the moment I'm going to have to start looking for a job in the near future just to, to bargain me over. And I think it's important to be honest in terms of like just photographers and freelancers that it's not this rosy sort of life. Like it is an actual serious situation at the moment where you've got to just make ends meet, I guess, at the moment. Well, yeah, and you were sort of, I, I, I sense anyway, looking at your Instagram, the past sort of 12 months has been really important for you to feel like you've got to a point where you are able to go on these massive tours. It's it's mad. The past year for me has been incredible. And I've, I've been so lucky and so fortunate to work with some of the people that I've been with. Um, but this year for me, like when we were looking at our calendar, I was like, you know what? I feel like this is really going to be like, for me personally, like a breakout year, like creatively and just like, the things we were going to do. I think we were supposed to be out in the States for three weeks last month, which obviously didn't happen. I think this week, I was supposed to be a Blossoms doing like a load of support shows with the Killers, which would have been insane as well. So for all that, just to kind of be like bypassed, and then obviously there's literally zero chance of any festivals happening in the summer as well. It's just a bit like... Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in worse situations and when the gigs and stuff do come back, like they're gonna be they're gonna be ridiculous. You look at next year, every festival's probably gonna sell out. The gigs are gonna be nuts. I think it's just a case of weather in the storm and just everyone kinda of pulling through really. You mentioned the um being on tour buses and stuff then. Obviously as a tour photographer and now close personal friend who's trusted by the bands, how do you get to that stage? Because you're always sort of you're always with them. Uh, is it about being subtle? Is it about picking your moments when you when it's time to shoot, when it's time to have a laugh? I think there's there's a combination of all those things that sort of come in, to be honest. I think first and foremost, you've got to remember that you are doing a job, like you are there for a reason, so you've got to take it seriously and respect boundaries. I don't know. I, I always carry, like, whether it's just, like, a point-and-shoot round with me, just even if like we're going out and doing bits and bobs or whatever, it's always nice to know that you've got something there to capture moments with because I've been so guilty before of, like, we've been going out doing things, I've oh, that could have been such a good photo opportunity. So that that just does not get missed anymore. But um, I guess a lot of it is completely organic and you just capture moments, but I think it's important to have the conversations with the artists as well to see how they want to be portrayed and you, you, you're both on the same sort of wavelength in terms of stuff you're going to get. Am I right in thinking it was Blossoms that you were touring with before Inhaler? Yeah, so I shot a show in Sheffield that Blossoms were doing, like it was for like a magazine or something. And um, after the show, I was going through the photos, I was like, oh, you know what? These actually like, these look all right. Because some shows just have like horrific light and stuff. You just come away thinking that was a complete waste of time. But in terms of like their aesthetic and their lighting setup, they have a really like visually attractive rig. And um, I ended up posting the photos on um, on Twitter. And the next day, I think they retweeted them, and my Twitter just went mad. I was like, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Something's good to come out of it. And then uh, I get a message the next day from their manager being like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, um, nothing. He was like, can you get to ne- uh, Nottingham in like the next hour or so? I was like, yes. So went to Rock City, I think it was, um, met them all, went really well, got on well. And then they were like, do you want to do the rest of the run? And then that, that's that been it since then, really. 
Wow. And when was that? Was that after uni? Yeah, that would have literally been a couple of months after I graduated, I think. How do you get to that point of, well, I guess it's quite, I guess there's steps in every career, but with photography, you you need to start off with having enough money for the bloody equipment. (laughs) Then you've got to be able to take decent enough photos with said equipment, you marry it together, and then you start getting noticed. What was your sort of snowball effect? Uh, I, th- I don't know. I think to be honest, like when I started uni, um, I was never blessed with like a a nice student loan or whatever. It was always like just covering everything. But any sort of spare money I had just got pumped into cameras. Like I didn't have any niceties in life, it, which is quite a nice thing to be honest. Because there's nothing wrong with going blowing a bit of money here and there and stuff. But to actually like invest it in something that's now paid off was um, was a really nice decision. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it just kind of started with going to all the local venues in Sheffield, like Leadmill and stuff, and just... I think it's really important for people that are wanting to, like, come through um, that you've really got to cut your teeth in these venues. And there is going to be at least months of just grinding and nothingness, and it's really draining and hard. I remember there was points at uni where I'd be going to, like... Manchester for four nights a week because that's where all the gigs were. Yeah, I remember them well. <laughs> it's, it was hard work, but it was it was really really fun. But um, I guess just sticking with it and just kind of taking inspiration as I went along was a really important thing. But a big thing for me as well um, was that the UK in particular is really really saturated in terms of like photographers, and as I'm sure you know, like getting accreditation for some shows when you're not really well established is really really hard. Um, so I had a bit of a think and I was like, right, I want to shoot these big artists, but the UK is about a question. So I was like, why not go on holiday, go to a foreign festival with like a crazy lineup, have a great time and take my camera. So for like, it was probably between like 2016 and 2018, I was going to like Spanish and Belgian festivals, having a right knock up but also having a great time with the camera and you're getting to shoot all these artists that you'd never ever get accreditation for in the UK and I know by no means shooting these big artists means that you're going to have good photos but it creates the opportunities to get better content just because of like the artists are, they put on a performance like essentially I'm sure the items that we're going to see now are going to be reflective of that and other parts of your life. So uh, you're not here, the bag's not here, but I can see you and your items. So let's go through the items virtually and you can describe them to me. So number one, please, Lewis. So obviously as a photographer, you're getting all manner of passes all the time. Um, And I've collected a small war chest of these photo passes now uh but this one in particular just stuck out as one that was just incredible visually um and it was one from run the jewels's tour back in i want to say 2017 it's basically like it's like it's like sharks that are fighting underwater and stuff and there's just so much mad stuff going on it's pretty incredible i think you said 2017 i can just faintly make that out through probably what you yeah. probably had it on your trousers or something and the sweat went through and it erased it <laughs> that sounds about right yeah 2017 for run the jewels was around a time when they were really quite big as well so where was this 
Where was this at and how did you get to go to see them? So this was another of my very fortunate things that I lucked into. Um, so one of my tried and tested methods was cold emailing every single manager that existed that was doing a show around. Um, and they actually got back to me, um, their manager, um, was like, love love your work and stuff. Um, like, would love to get you along for like a paid gig and stuff. I was like, brilliant. Um, and most of the time, they don't really like let you have access to the actual artist for any sort of candid stuff. Um, it's it's mainly just like the actual show itself, and they'll probably let you shoot like the whole set or some side of stage stuff. Um, but yeah, in in this particular scenario, they were like, yeah, they're happy with you doing like some portraits and saying hi and stuff backstage, and uh, they are pretty nice guys. I will say that much. I was going to say, what do you kind of say to an artist that that, that is that well established? Because there's one thing being in the pit and shooting a gig, looking up at the artist who's not really paying attention to you guys. But when you're backstage and you're able to direct them and boss them around a bit, what, how do you kind of make them feel at ease and stuff? What do you say? <sighs> to be honest, like, I don't really get that nervous with the artists anymore. I get more nervous when I meet photographers that I actually look up to and I shit myself. Um, it, I don't know, it just kind of comes naturally, to be honest. I, I think I vaguely remember we were just chatting about how crap the weather was that day or something. I, I think you've just got to be, you've got to be clear um, and just be confident, really, and just sort of like embrace what you're doing and um, just hope that they buy into that. And as long as you don't really overstep the mark and ask them to do something that they're not really going to do, you've just got to do a bit of prep work and planning before, I guess, and maybe have a look at other things that they've done and see if they're happy to go along with it. But tread the line, I'd say. And as you say, this is quite uh, an artistic... uh, Do you call it a photo pass? Why did you pick this one? Was it just for the visual, or was it just because it was like, wow, the fact I got to go backstage with them? Yeah, I think think for me it's a pretty memorable one because it was one of my first, like, opportunities to work with a really big established artist. Um, And, yeah, visually it's a pretty insane pass as well. But... um, yeah, I always find like the quirkier artists always tend to have like more visually surprising passes. To be honest, Kurt Vile had one, and he's in like a hot dog or something like that, and it's him like smiling. <laughs> well, run the, run the jewels are all about the aesthetic as well as the music and everything. They put their all into everything they release. Um, let's go on to item number two, please. This is probably one of the favourite photos I've taken, to be honest, um, and it is a photo of. Christine and the Queens uh, at All Point Seas last summer. And she's kind of... I don't know what she's doing. She's It's her isolated all alone against a completely blacked-out backdrop with her fist raised in the air. And I don't know, it's quite a poignant moment, to be honest. That gig itself was probably one of the most incredible gigs I've ever watched. I've never been a massive fan of her, but sometimes when you actually see an artist, you become a fan without really being that engaged with the music before. But like her stage show is absolutely incredible. I don't know if you've seen it, but... I haven't myself, and I think I'm exactly like you. I respect who she is as an artist, and I quite like some of her music, but I haven't seen her live, and everyone that sees her live... It's It's a game-changer, really. So why that photo in particular? Was that a photo that changed the game for you? (sighs) Not really. I don't know. It's hard to say. For me, it's like I really struggle to sort of rank my photos in terms of, like... I don't know, I guess, in terms of my preference, because I'm a real sucker for 
having to have photos that are like technically immaculate and if they're even slightly i don't know out of focus or something's off i'll just be annoyed with them straight away but it's really important to remember that sometimes it's more about getting a moment and i think this one just fell quite nicely but there's there's a there's a few photos of mine that i'd say i quite like a lot but i don't know i think this one's a nice one well, you say you've got a few favourite. I've got a few favourite as well because you've got a website. <laughs> um, but the one that always sticks out for me, and I remember when you took the, I think I messaged you about it or talked to you in person about it, is the Loyal Carnival one of him in the Juventus shirt. And it's just yes. the, the motion yeah. of it and the joy on his face is amazing. Were there any photos of yours that changed the game for you rather than not just your favourite, but ones you mentioned, like the Blossoms one earlier? Were there any others where it really was a turning point for you after you shot them? I think opportunities to work at festivals and stuff sometimes allow you to sort of enhance that body of work, especially from a live perspective, because you're shooting so many artists. Um, and I, I think a big thing for like upcoming photographers is actually building a portfolio of, of work that you can then go and, and present to, to other people, really. And you you mentioned so shooting at festivals. There must be some difficulties, right? Because if we all know what UK festivals are like, notoriously, you go in. I mean, lugging around a few cans of lager in your wellies, um, trying to go between acts is hard enough. But having a massive uh, sort of bag with cameras and all sorts of equipment on must be hell sometimes. It's uh, yeah, it's it's hard. I was um, I was actually looking back at. Um like the stepometer thing on uh, on Apple the other day, just having a little browse. And I look back at, I think it was Redden and Leeds weekend of 2018. And I think I did like 40k over the three days or something. And I, But yeah, you've got like cameras on, you've got lenses. And most of the time, weather permitting, it's really hot as well. So that doesn't help either. But um UK festivals especially are a bit easier um but I remember the Spanish festivals oh my god so when we shot I think it was Red Hot Chili Peppers I'm not even exaggerating there was about a hundred photographers in this photo pit and it was absolute carnage there was no etiquette or anything I was like loving it you've got to fend for your life here. <laughs> crazy it was crazy and also you have that added thing of, I don't know, in, in Spain, but, you know, when I was growing up at Reading and Leeds, whenever a band I loved were on, usually enter Shikari at the time, I would crowd surf over and probably ended up getting right in the way of people like you. Do you have that quite a bit as well? Yeah, I mean, festivals aren't so bad because the actual pits and stuff are massive. But if you're in, like, a, a smaller gig or something, like I remember Foles at... Um, where was that? Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. So, as as you know, like most bands have the first three songs that you're allowed to shoot, uh, whereas Foles have the last three songs instead. So, you can imagine how ridiculously chaotic those shows are. It's a recipe for disaster. Mate, I wasn't ready. I walked into this thing with the cameras after being in this really cold room. And obviously at the start of the show, like the room's not that hot. 
I walked in and for the first song I was battling with all the condensation that was building up on my lenses. I was shitting myself. And then and then to top that off, you've got a frontman in someone like Yanis who likes to clamber in, which is great for a shot, but you I imagine you're trying to negotiate round and work out your angles and, and everything. <sighs> yeah, I think you've got to be a bit wary of uh people coming down and stuff because yeah i've had a few brushes with frontmans that kind of are a bit too self-assured let's focus on the frontman of inhaler for a moment i won't wang on about it. he's obviously he's bono's son so bono yeah, from yeah, you yeah. two bono's son which he probably has enough of all the time and you probably never talk about but with that with that um not only comes the talent but comes the looks and he's got this incredible photogenic look about him how is it Obviously, a, a band focuses a lot on the lead singer. How's he been to sort of follow around and, and photo? He will have absolutely no problems with me saying this, and I've said it to him as well. But when I uh, when I first met up with him and stuff, I I I knew who he was, and I was like, this this guy is gonna be some sort of like egotistical, self assured little bugger, and I could not have been more wrong. Oh my god, he's a, he's a lovely, lovely lad. They're all they're all really nice guys, to be honest. I'm really lucky that everyone I work with is just it's it's a nice little um nice little family with all the crew, all the band. Everyone gets on well. Um, but yeah, him individually, like he's he's a very talented guy. Um, that's also blessed with incredibly good looks, which makes my job a hell of a lot easier. But I think the important thing with them is they're very much on the same sort of playing field. Um, it is a band, first and foremost. Um, and I think a good way of trying to, like, explain it, in a sense, is, I don't know, you have, like, your big bands, like, I don't know, say The Killers, for example, and you know the front man, but you might not necessarily know the other members, but with these guys, like, everyone's invested in all the band members. It's not just a case of, the front man and the band, it's the whole band as a collective. And there's a lot of interest taken in all the individuals as well, which I think is a really nice touch. And they're very keen for that to be a prominent feature as well. You mentioned being part of a family there. Um, Blossoms yeah. are sort of at the age of like, they're getting to their mid to late 20s. Inhaler are more like 20. You're 23, are you 23? 23, yeah. Yeah, so you're sort of in the middle. Can you see sort of parallels between the two bands? It's kind of funny in a way because... I know that the Inhaler lads especially, like when they were in school and stuff, were like massive Blossoms fans. And uh, they they did a few shows with them last year. This was before I even knew them. But yeah, they were like ecstatic. They were like, oh, we've listened to all your music and stuff. And they're all, I think they're all 20 now. Um, but it's very much a case of like very, very mature. Um just just from like every aspect to be honest it was like if i think what it would have been like being on a major label um putting out all these tunes having all this hype going to all these countries at 20 i would not have known what to do but like i said that they're so they're confident and they know what they're doing but they're very they're very grounded at the same time there's there's no getting ahead of the getting ahead of where they are like they're very what's the word they know where they want to be, I guess. Item number three, then. Let's go on to your third item. What is it, please? So, item number three, Josh, is a photo of me at the first festival I ever went to. And I am in a 
very questionable tie-dye t-shirt and an even more questionable paisley bandana. <laughs> well, let me put you out your misery there because this picture, if I glanced at it, could have been me at the same age. Like, I always used to wear bandanas, garish t-shirts. Um, which festival was it? So this was... Reading 2013. And tell me, what are the sort of memories that conjure up whenever you see that photo? He's a good-looking lad. What's happened? <laughs> <laughs> We've all got that, mate, especially in lockdown, I trust. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just a bit of um, a bit of a baptism by fire into the into the world of music, I guess. Like, I'd, I'd been to a, a few gigs and bits and bobs beforehand, but I think that was... Um, I actually remember that being a really happy time because we went to went to school on the morning and got our GCSE results and then literally got the train up to Reading like a couple of hours later. I think that just set the tone for the weekend, to be honest, because it could have gone so wrong otherwise. Well, a lot of people that have been on this podcast before you have said, have brought pictures of their first festivals, a lot of them being Reading and Leeds because that's kind of like the induction into it. Were there Were there any artists that you saw that weekend that you can remember that still stick out today? I think I was pretty drunk the whole weekend, to be honest. So. <laughs> well, I can tell you that Foles played that one, and that's about it. You know what? You know what? I do remember that, and I'm a big Foles fan now, but I genuinely thought that set was horrendous. I just thought it was rubbish. I thought the fact that a kind of daylight set didn't really suit the vibe. I didn't think the crowd were into it. I think Chase and Status were playing afterwards. And you could tell half the crowd was just waiting there for them. Do you find that with the bands that you've been touring with, like the difference at a festival, sometimes it might feel like they've been shoo-in between two acts that don't really work either side of them or the audience is there for a different reason? The only thing I can think of off the top of my head was was Red in the Leeds last summer and um, Blossoms had a slot on the main stage. Um, I think... It, I can't remember if it was one slot before them or two slots before, was Billy Eilish. And she's honestly going to headline every festival under the sun in the next year or so, but I honestly couldn't fathom the noise that came from the crowd and the size of the crowd. I've never, ever heard anything like the roar when she walked out at Reading. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, wow. I I completely agree with you because I didn't actually see her at Glastonbury last year, but I listened back to the live show and I've seen videos and you can hear the crowd over her so clearly, which, you know, sometimes you get the rhythm of the crowd in the background. Sometimes the, the singer will let the crowd sing, but you can hear everyone over the top of her. It is insane. I'm not exaggerating when you couldn't, when you, you, you couldn't hear her. All you could hear was a crowd. So a picture of Reading Festival, which still, well, is unfortunately one of the festivals that isn't happening this year, along with all of them at this stage. But, um, you know, hopefully some young, bright 16-year-olds, as you look there, will get um, get the chance <laughs> to experience it next summer. Can we go on to your fourth item, please? Yeah, so this is another photo I've taken. Um... And it was, to give a bit of context, it was by complete chance I took it. It was at Dot to Dot Festival, I believe, in May of 2017. Um, and I was working for the festival at the time. 
and they kind of give you a schedule and be like, go and go and shoot this, go and shoot that. And if I'm correct, I think this was at, do you know the Bodega in Nottingham? Mm, yeah. So this was in Bodega Bar. So they literally had a, a microphone set up in a bar, and I reckon it was about 20 people. Um, and I'd forgotten about this photo until the festival actually posted it earlier this year. It was kind of a throwback. But it was a, it was a very young Lewis Capaldi in, in 2017. And... Uh, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but yeah, he's got pretty big. That is part of the beauty, I guess, of being a photographer is is that you don't you if you have these day festivals, you can hop between set to set and you can sort of yeah, capture yeah. a few a few photos. And you know, if you hear on the grapevine, this person might be big, but if you're just going there to watch, you don't wanna you don't wanna waste your time and miss out on something else. You can sort of jump between each. He is literally you can see he is sort of crowded in the corner of this bar. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like he's he been was... set up where you would usually be sat having a drink. I I can't reiterate it was the most like knock up set for a for a gig. Like he was definitely nowhere near on like the priority list of the festival. Well, that's impressive. I mean, you showed us Christine the Queens earlier, who's obviously a massive artist now. But having a picture that early on of someone like that. So that's your fourth item. Can we go on to your last one, please? Yeah, so these lovely snacks are called Stroop Waffles, I think they're called. <laughs> First time, I think, that food has been featured on the podcast. I like this. Oh, man, these, these things have saved my life on so many occasions. Like, I was first christened with them uh, when we were in Belgium. And you can have these things for breakfast, you can have them as a snack, you can have them as dessert, you can have them as a main meal, you can have them whenever. They are incredible. Um, and I think the fans have kind of clocked on that we like these things, so whenever we go back to Belgium, we just get inundated with them now. So there's always loads hanging around the dressing room or whatever, so that's great. But one of the tricks about these is that... So they're kind of like biscuity, waffly things with like a caramelly centre. It's like a bit hard and chewy. But if you put them on top of like a cup of tea or something for like a minute or so, they go all gooey inside. Oh, man, they're incredible. Someone told me about this. I was like, I think you just made this up. But it seems to be a thing that you do. They're a thing of beauty, yeah. They are incredible. Are you sort of just living off these? I kind of forget about them when I come back home, but then it's always that nice welcome treat if you go back. I was like, oh my god, I forgot how good these were. I think it's important to keep it that way. That way, you'll never, you'll never hate them. Are there any places you've been on tour where the food has just been crap, or you've just been like, I don't like this. I, I need to find my waffles, or I need to find my home comforts, or whatever. No, no way. I'm very, um. What's the word? Exploratory food. And I, I'll try anything, to be honest. In some situations, that's led to me being quite ill. Like, when we went to Mexico... Oh, Mexico, man. That was that was mad. So, we ended up going out for this. We had a day off in Mexico City. And we ended up going, going out to have some food. And we ended up at this restaurant, which, like... If, if you'd found this restaurant in, like, England, you'd have been paying some serious money. But I, th- I think we ended up paying, like, the equivalent of, like, 30-odd quid for, like, a three-course meal with, like, margaritas and beers. It was great. But I think one of the things we ate was these... Um, they were, like, tacos, but 
think they had like leaf cutter ant eggs and grasshoppers in and it was absolutely incredible but man i was so ill for like two weeks when we came back home it was really bad and it wasn't just me either like some of the other guys were like pretty ill as well so i don't know if it was that meal particularly or the or the water or something um what's your favorite place you've been to on on tour obviously not that mexican restaurant how was mexico as a place and or where was your favorite place god mate mexico's crazy you can just imagine what the fans are like as well. Like, they just take it to another level. That's the thing with South American countries. I've heard a lot of bands say this, that um, the love for the music there is, like, even bigger than in the UK, where the bands are from. I just have memories of, like, when we got to the to the airport and stuff, the band just got mobbed when they landed, which was bizarre. And they'd be, they'd be, they'd be waiting outside the hotel... And what was even more bizarre for me, it's like, I don't I don't get it in the UK at all. Like, no one's asked who I am. But in Mexico, like, I had the fans coming up to me asking me to sign photos. I was getting given gifts in Mexico, like little little trinkets and stuff, like getting asked for photos. I was like, whoa, this is a bit bizarre. Autographs as well. I thought they died of fashion. Oh, man, autographs are a big thing, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You need to get perfecting it then. Have you perfected your autograph now? I think it changes every time, to be honest. Because that's always the thing, is you're growing up, unless you're going to be like a big musician, actor or a footballer... Who's asked? It's a scribble, yeah. <laughs> but um, if you were to ask me my favourite place, I reckon it's got to be somewhere in America. It's a tough call between San Francisco or New York, I reckon. We went um, back in October, November, and it was it was the first time I'd been, like, properly, or been touring anyway. Um, and we were lucky enough to have three days in New York. And um, one of the days um, I was with Joe, the drummer from Blossoms, and he was like, you've never been before, have you? I was like, no, never been, don't know, don't know what to do. And he was like, tell you what, me and you will just go out and we'll do whatever you want the whole day. So we went to everything. We went to, like, everything. It, it was so good. But, um, oh, yeah, the food there like, is just incredible. Are we talking a big bus, then, that goes through America when you're, when you're going with a band like Blossoms? They get a big bus. They essentially had kind of like a normal bus that you'd have in the UK. Um, but most of the time you do all the travelling at night, so you don't really actually get to see anything outside. Um, but it's always nice waking up in the city, you can just crack on with your day. But, um, yeah, when we went over to the West Coast, everything's a bit further apart. So we'd, we'd do a show and then have to fly somewhere else. So I think we flew to San Francisco, maybe had a day off and a show, flew to LA, landed in the morning, did the show, and then flew again the next morning to Mexico, had like a couple of days there, did a show and then came back. It's, it's good fun, but oh my God, like you never experienced tiredness like it. Yeah, I was going to say, what's it like? Because... You always think that going on tour with a band must be so much fun and relentless partying and drinking and um, meeting all these new people, going to new places. But you must get exhausted, and you as a photographer must have found that as well. Yeah, I don't really normally have a life after shows, to be honest. Like Sometimes the bands might go out for like one or two drinks, but straight after the show it's like, right, cracking on with the photos. And then everyone's in bed by like 
12. Well, it's shown from the amazing, consistent output that you put out. I wanted to ask, actually, now that we're in this time where obviously you're not out shooting loads, have you been going back through maybe photos you wouldn't have batted an eyelid at before and spend more time editing and retweeting and sharing them? I've had a few little bits and bobs that I've dabbled over, um, but I actually got um, a truckload of film that I've shot between sort of February and March, um, developed uh, about a month ago now. And I've slowly been working my way through it, but I don't want to go through it too quickly, otherwise there'll just be nothing left to do. <laughs> um, so you've got photographers, I guess, that are absolutely struggling for content at the moment, but I've I've got too much at the moment. I just can't get out of so we've gone through those five items, all loosely based to your career you've gone into in photography. Now, I want you to pick one of these to go into our What's in the Bag Hall of Fame. So it could be the one that means the most to you. It could be the one you think would look ridiculous in our Hall of Fame. Which one would you like to induct Lewis Evans into our Hall of Fame? Well, because of their versatility, I think the Stroopwafels are the only option for this, to be honest. <laughs> Good. Good. I was hoping you'd say that. And uh, we'll keep them in their box so they don't they don't go off too easily. Thank you so much for this, Lewis. And oh, it's been a pleasure. No, thank you. I've got my fingers crossed for you as much as me and every music fan that it gets underway soon. You get on the road. We can go to gigs. Um, but obviously, we'll just we'll just have to see what happens. Um, and I hope. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you got any? Have you got any plans or little projects? over summer instead that you want to crack on with there's a no there's there's a few things um i'm kind of working on at the moment um i guess that are a bit more personal to me really um but yeah i'm sure you'll be seeing something about them in the near future but i just need to make sure everything's like you know good to go but i think it's it's it's, it's really worthwhile what what i've got planned and hopefully it can benefit a lot of people hopefully but we'll see Good stuff. And where can people find you on Instagram? Where is Instagram is the app for sharing photos. And my God, do you share photos? So where can they find you? Oh yeah, I share photos like they're going out of fashion at the moment. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at uh, L E W S V A N S. I think Lose Vans. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's the same on Twitter as well. But um, yeah, cool. Give me a follow, please. That would be uh, appreciated. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of What's in the Bag. Please leave us a rating, comment, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That means that each episode will drop right into your lap as soon as it's here. Follow at WITBpod on Twitter and Instagram to get info about when each episode is coming and who my next guest will be. And a final thank you to Johnny Robinson for providing the music for What's in the Bag and Charlie Shreve for creating the artwork. You can find more of his work at Charlie Shreve Design on Instagram. Instagram.